This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice, where I tell you, you have absolutely no case. Here is uh, a case out of Texas, and uh, usually you don't have something like this happening, particularly in Texas. All right, this is uh, in regards to a former Texas police officer who was fired right after this incident. And he was accused of killing an unarmed African-American teenager who was shot as he and his friends started to drive away from a house party. So he had been, uh, he and his partner, not his friend, yes, he and his partner had been called to a residence, a party call. They heard gunshots, rushed out, and saw a car driving away at high speed. And uh, this uh, cop, uh, Oliver, uh, picked up his uh, weapon, I think it was an AR-15 automatic weapon, and shot into the car, killing the passenger. And he was uh, actually accused of murder. He was tried on a murder charge. And he said that what he saw was the car trying to run over his partner, which is why he shot. Well, the problem for him was the dash cam photo showed the exact opposite. The car was driving away. His partner... Tyler Gross testified the car was driving away. And therefore, the partner said, I felt absolutely no threat to me because I knew the car was drawing away. So uh, they got him. Uh, He lied, clearly. And uh, the jury convicted him uh, of murder. Straight out. And that does not happen very often, often when a cop is on trial for any crime regarding and uh, re- referencing a shooting, and uh, especially in Texas. But, you know, good for them. And uh, the world has changed quite a bit, as you can notice. All right, let's go ahead and take some phone calls. All right, Derek. Hi, Derek. Welcome. Hi. Hey, yeah, um, I guess I'm a beneficiary of a trust that owns real property. Real property is going to get sold, and then the money will then exist, and the executor, who happens to be my father, says he's going to spend it on whatever he wants, even though I'm a beneficiary of these trusts. Is that legal? Well, it depends on how the trust is written. He can't spend it on whatever he wants for his benefit. Now, he can spend it on whatever he wants in terms of investing it. He has a fiduciary duty to keep the corpus, that is, uh, to keep uh, the the money that's in the trust safe. Uh, unless the trust itself allows him complete, utter discretion to invest the money in anything he wants for the benefit of the trust. Yeah, it depends on what it is. Because on the other side, you as a beneficiary have the ability to sue him for not taking care of your money. This is your money that you are going to get when the trust store, in fact, uh, disappears. Or if the trust continues on... Uh, where you only get uh, X number of dollars for the benefit of the trust. For example, my wife and I have a trust, and upon our death, Marjorie going first, of course, because of uh, her age, uh, then what ends up happening is the trust stays alive, and my kids will get a monthly stipend or pay for education or whatever, because if, uh-huh. um, if they think they're going to get, here's a chunk of money, go enjoy yourself, that ain't going to happen. But right. it, uh, the bottom line is look at the trust instrument itself 
And if uh, your dad won't show you the trust instrument, right. then you may want to get a lawyer uh, and say to your dad, I want to see this thing. Because if you're violating the terms of the trust and you're investing uh, in things that you shouldn't or spend it in things that uh, you shouldn't, I'm going to sue you. And it's not going to be pleasant. It's uh, well, you yeah, are going to get sued. Bill, sorry to interrupt, but he also mentioned that he would loan me money from the trust and charge me interest. He can do that if that's al- that. if it's allowed. Because his his duty is to keep the trust alive. His duty is to keep the trust intact. And and, and he probably could under the terms of the trust. What he can't do is spend it on himself. Okay. That's it. Great. Thanks, Bill. All right. uh, Can you imagine your dad's a trustee and uh, you have all kinds of doubts? Uh, That's hilarious. Leanna, welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, Leanna. Hi. Um, so I have a question. Um, I was writing from a tenant who actually passed away in December within our one-year lease agreement. Um, and from the talks of it, she was telling me that she wanted to sell the property, was going to do another will, but ended up not completing it. Um, and from well, from what I understand, but the stepdaughter now is trying to take over and tell me that, you know, um, she's the one who's in the trust and she's the one who's taking over the property. And I asked her to show me the documents that she is taking over the trust um, and all the properties that uh, the original landlord has. Um, but she has yet to tell me that and she still or show me that. And she's trying to tell me that I need to pay her the rent. No, absolutely not, Leanna. Because uh, you only owe rent to the landlord, the property owner of which she is not. And if the property is owned by a trust, you can figure this out instantly because all you have to do is pull title. If the property is owned by a trust, you pay to the trust. Who have you been making out the check to up to this point? Um, to Anne, the original landlord. The owner, owner and I of the property. Under her name. Then what you have is you are you keep on making it out to Anne. And uh, you send it to the same address that you always have. That's where your check goes. What they do with it is not your problem because uh, someone, if the daughter-in-law or uh, the the daughter cashes Ann's check, she's forging the check, but that's her issue. And uh, until the new owner, which is the daughter, shows you the document and says, I now own the property, and now we start dealing with each other, there is nothing she can do, and you don't even have to move until you are evicted. I mean, your lease ends. Uh, when does your lease end? In another couple of months? Or do, uh, yeah, do you not even have a lease? Do you have Do you have a written written lease? Yes. Okay. It ends in July, but okay. It's, wait, wait. How many months from now does it end? Um, five. Okay, five months from now. If they haven't yet transferred the property, you stay there, uh, and you can still pay the rent at the same price. Until you are notified by the new property owner. And if they don't have a will, if there's no trust, then and then the trust doesn't own the property uh, because there's no trust to own the property. Or they haven't transferred the property into the trust, even if there is one. And if there's no will, they're going to have to open up a probate, an intestate probate. And uh, it may turn out that, how many kids does uh, Anne have? Um, well, it's two stepkids. Uh, and, uh, well, stepkids don't really count. Uh, is she married? Um, she was. Her husband passed away a year ago. And the stepkids don't count, I don't think. So we're talking about family members uh, who are going to own. Owen, is this a stepdaughter who uh, is claiming ownership? 
Yes. She may have nothing to do with that property. She may yeah, have no she, connection. Yeah, she may have no connection to the property. The property actually would go by way of blood relations. So we're talking about siblings. We're talking about people who are connected to Anne by blood, not step uh, not stepkids. Yeah, you may want okay. to tell Anne to go pound sand. Yeah. Yep, that's what I would do. All right, this is Handle on the Law. Isn't it my blood? This is KFI AM 640. We're stimulating talk, Bill Handle, Saturday morning. And welcome back to Handle on the Law. Hello, Kathy. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hello. Yes, ma'am. Yes, my uh, son worked in retail for about four years. Um, assistant manager, they'd ask him to go to a new store to help it out. He did. He uh, finally got tired of promises that didn't happen, so he uh, left, resigned, wrote a nice letter and resigned. Um, about three months later, he got called in to the police department, and he was booked for theft. So he paid bail, and he... Uh, uh, got a lawyer, and kind of nothing happened. And then there was a hearing, and the district attorney did said there was no concrete evidence, but just left it standing. So it's been over a year, about 15 months. He's called the lawyer several times, and the lawyer just said, just let it rest. He's seen cases where it pops back up. Um, and so he doesn't quite know what to do. They have no video. They don't really have anything. Um, so he doesn't know what to do. Uh, I'd listen to the lawyer and just let it rest. Just for how long? Uh, until the statute of limitations is over. And the longer... How long is that? I don't know, three years, whatever the hell it is. But that is. I'm sorry? That three years, maybe. Uh, but the point three. is, uh, maybe it's five years, I don't know. But that's not the issue here. The longer it goes, the less they're going to deal with it. Uh, because if they're not charging now... It, it's, it disappears, that's all. And they refuse to charge it. And then what will happen is uh, he has not been charged, correct, at all? Correct. Okay, so and why— And there's nothing online when he goes to look in the court then, system. Then it's, then it's, it's not a, even listed. Then, it's, then just leave it alone. Why, what does he want to do? Does he want to go in there and say, hey, I was charged, let's do something about it? Well, no, but he's interested in the uh, bail money. Uh, well, you asked for the bail back. That you can ask for. You can ask for exoneration of bail because they can only keep the bail for so long and certainly not a flight risk. How much was the bail? Um, I think like fifteen hundred. All right. And he come and he came up with the entire fifteen hundred, right? Correct. correct. Make it, you make an application for a return of bail. That's what you do. And you can do okay. that and do that through the court. I don't you know, since I've never paid bail, uh, then uh, there is a, a whole formulation of doing that. And you can search uh, the Internet. Thank goodness for the Internet these days uh, that there's no issue anymore. You can look up anything. Uh, hi, Nick. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, I got a question on uh, property rights uh, over city-owned business. Mm-hmm. Uh, my cousin bought a property in California, and... They did, not, they did not notice a 3x6 uh, transformer on the corner lot because it's covered with bushes. So what, what are their rights? Can they sue the city? Or for what? What are they going to sue the city for? 
Well, it's in their property. Uh, yeah, and the city, you have to check to see if there's an easement on that property. So and uh, Yeah, and if there's an easement, which there probably is, uh, what, your, uh, what your cousin or whoever the hell was uh, bought a piece of property with a city transformer on it. But it's not disclosed on, on the title. Uh, there should be an easement in title. You can pull the title and find out, and if it's not disclosed on the title, then you talk to your title insurance that paid for the title. Uh-huh. And if the city doesn't have an easement, they just punched it on there for no reason, which may or may not have happened. Then you simply tell the city to move it. They say no, and you you file a lawsuit against them. Nick, you hire a lawyer, and you're going to spend thousands of dollars filing a lawsuit against the city. You haven't moved the transformer. And if it's covered in bushes and he didn't even notice it when he bought the property, how big uh-huh. a deal? How big a deal is it? Like a safety. I'm because sorry. The kids can sit outside the yard. Hey, there's no fence around it. No, it's just like, like I said, it's covered with bushes before, and when they start to clear the bushes, it's over there and sitting on the corner. And then when the maintenance crew, they just come in at any time they want. Well, they can do that, but uh, they, I, I would turn around and ask the city to put a fence up. I would so talk. I would talk. I would talk to the city about putting a fence up. See, here are your choices. If it's not on title, if it's uh-huh. slipped through the title uh, and there is no easement recorded, then what you uh-huh. do is you tell the city to move it. And if they say no, you take them to court and spend a few thousand dollars doing that. Excuse me. So no contingent attorney will pick this up? No, absolutely not. What are they going to get? city's not going to write you a check. What the city's oh. going to do, if they lose, they're going to move it. So how much is the attorney going to get by them moving the uh, transformer? Oh, yeah. Okay, I got it. Yeah. All right. So you got all your choices are bad. Every single one of them are bad. Oh, Evelyn. Hi, Evelyn. Welcome. Evelyn? Hello. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Uh, I have a problem. Uh, about uh, four days ago, I went to pick up a package at the store, and um, I have a disability, so I parked 10 spaces approximately from the store and uh, got out and, and went in there to get the package from the manager. When I came back, there was a ticket on my car, and um, my uh, uh I got it off my window, opened it up, and it, <clears throat> uh, they gave me a ticket because my plaque card was up, and I forgot to put it up because I was rushing. It was early in the morning, mm-hmm. and I was rushing to get this. Okay, package. so your what's your question? My question is, where do I go to get help concerning this? You have to go. I don't think you're going to get help anywhere, Evelyn. You're, what you're going to have to do is you're going to fight the ticket, and you're simply going to say, uh, I have a placard, and I didn't put it up. And here yes, are the Yes, I circuits. do have one. The doctor gave it to me. Uh, doctor gave you what? A placard? Yes, no, I understand that. Yes, but you're going but to. I forgot you, to put it up. I understand that. So, what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to go to court and you're going to have to argue you didn't put up your placard. Now, you are guilty of a violation because uh, the law says you must display your placard. Yes. Okay? And you didn't, Evelyn. You are guilty of not displaying your placard. Yeah, well, I, I had it in the car. Just I understand. And having it in the car, was it displayed? No. 
It was not displayed. The law says you must display your placard. Now, you go in front of a judge and you explain the situation and hope the judge dismisses it under those circumstances. And that's uh-huh. the best you can do. Plead not guilty and show up and say, Your Honor, uh, well, you're going to effectively, you're pleading guilty. Don't ever, what you don't want to say is guilty with an explanation. The judge doesn't want to hear that because you're gone. Just say, Your Honor, uh, I plead not guilty and let me tell you what happened. That's all you can do is you have to go to uh-huh. court. You're going to have to go to court, Evelyn. Uh, you can't just say, I'm disabled. Uh, okay, now what? Um, the law is uh, pretty cleared. Pretty, pretty clear on that. Can you see Welcome back to uh, KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Bill Handel here. This is Handel on the Law. Marginal legal advice. Phone numbers. 800-520-1KFI. 800-520-1534. We still have a few lines open. Uh, Jeff. Hello, Jeff. Welcome. Hi there. Yes, sir. I had a question. I had a question about uh, the gas company's utility line uh, that runs underneath my property. And uh, I wanted to, uh, I've eliminated gas from my house, natural gas, that is, and I went solar. And I've asked them to remove their meter and their pipeline from the street that runs underneath my property. And and they're refusing to do it. And I wanted to know if I have any uh, legal recourse. Well, uh, I don't know if you have a right to have them remove the pipe. Uh, line from your underneath your property because they have an easement for that. By law, they're allowed to run that pipeline whether or not you use the gas or not. What if you never live in the house and say, I don't use your gas? I want you to get rid of it. I've decided I'm going to switch to propane. I want you to spend the thousands of dollars that it takes to remove that pipeline. What do you think they're going to say to you? I don't know. I do. I know exactly what they're going to say to you. They're going to say, bite me is what they're going to say. Of course, you don't have a right to, to force them to remove the pipeline that runs underneath your house. Uh, if you switch to okay. solar or switch to propane or go to another source or decide you're not going to have heat at all and you're going to just live off the grid. Uh, so, no, as far as the meter is concerned, uh, you can ask them to remove it and they can say no. Uh, that's probably a little bit of an, uh, another issue where uh, then you have to remove it if you're not using the gas anymore. And uh, then you send them a bill, and you put a claim in, and they say no, and you can take the small claims court after that. But I, trust me, they are not going to remove a pipeline underneath your house, and no judge is going to force them to do that. Right. Uh, yeah, as far as the meter goes, they don't want you touching their equipment. Yeah, no, or, it's their equipment. Uh, You're right. And you say, get your equipment off my property. I don't use it anymore. Now, again, right. do they have a right to keep it on your property come hell or high water? I, they might statutorily, and you've got no place to go. So I don't know the answer to that one, but uh, good for you for asking. Can I force them to tear up my yard and put everything back? Sure. Why not? Loretta, your turn. You're up. Yes. I have a friend who's in terrible trouble. She was driving in Texas, and she reached down for something and swerved on the freeway. The policeman stopped her and made her get out of the car. He did not do a breathalyzer. He had to do the toe-heel, toe-heel. Well, she's in her late 60s, and she does, you know, her balance isn't that good. So they took her 
handcuffed her, put her in the car, took her to, uh, you know, fingerprints and put her in the drunk tank. Well, then she had to pull to get her car out of whatever, you know, towing, whatever that is. And then um, now she cannot get a job because she has that on her record. Was she convicted? Um, I don't know. Well, that's the whole issue. So uh, that question doesn't help me at all because the the entire issue, uh, if she was convicted, uh, sure, they can say no with a conviction for DUI. I wouldn't hire anybody that had a DUI that shows responsibility to me. If I know know someone's had a DUI walking in the door, you think I'm going to hire that person? If you're not responsible enough to drive without being drunk, why should I trust you with? uh, Oh, no, she was not drunk. She doesn't drink. Well, unfortunately for her, as far as the law is concerned, she was. So that's why I asked, was she convicted? And if she was not convicted, uh, then for some reason uh, they're pulling an arrest record, and I don't know how they do that, and and I don't understand how anybody would not give her a job saying, hey, I wasn't a drunk, I had a balance problem, there was no conviction. And so uh, uh, I don't understand a lot of this. But the, it starts with, was she, was, was she convicted? Hello, Frank. Yes. Bill, Ted, Homeowners uh, Association sent me a demand letter for $1,100 for past due assessments and penalties. Uh, went to the office to dispute the, the situation. Three days later, they came back and said, oh, here's what we found. Uh, you, you know, one of your payments or two of your payments didn't make it to our office, and they offered to settle for $509. So I didn't want to lose any time on the uh, lean, lean clock. I gave them $509. Four days later, I came back to prove them totally wrong and gave them a bill for $200 for forensic accounting services. Well, you, why are you... I don't think you can sue for forensic accounting services. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I, if I, I live in a retirement community, and if I was an old 90-year-old person and go to the accountant and say, here, I know I've paid it. Here are my records. Find it and prove it for me, would you? And it costs $600. Yep. You get, I mean, you get, somebody has to pay for that. Uh, that's I mean, right, and it's and I, it's. I, didn't and, make the mistake. I understand, but it's you. You get to pay for it. They don't have a legal duty to pay for it unless you want to sue in small claims court. That's exactly where I'm going. Bro. Yeah, and then you yeah, have a home. That's that's, exactly that's where, where you can going. go, and that's your damage. And uh, but it's going to take a judge to make that determination. Uh, but at this point, legally, do, uh, no, no, it doesn't work that way. Unfo- unfortunately, all right, uh, Paul. Now it's your turn. Hello, Paul. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I have a situation with um, a neighbor that cut down a tree on the on the property, joint property line. And? Okay. Um, and he didn't ask my permission, and I really liked that tree. That mm. was, and it was on, uh, it was planted right, it was planted right on the middle of the property line. Uh, yeah. All right. Yeah, it seems to be. I mean, I okay. know. Well, you have to. Wait a sec. Paul, you're going to have to prove that it was down the, the property line. You can't just make that allegation. Right. So I have to get a surveyor Yep. And... You betcha. Okay. Well, I just what I want to find out is if uh, 
if I do that, then I do have a case. Though. Maybe, maybe, sure. Now, what are your damages? I like the tree. So you want the tree replaced? Well, the tree, you know, like 75 years old. No, I get it. Tree. I get it. So maybe your damages are the, the is the value of a 75-year-old tree of that kind being okay. brought in, and it could be many thousands of dollars. It's not replaceable, that's for sure. Well, yeah, if it's not replaceable, then it gets a little difficult because how you de- do you determine the value? The value is uh, it's not replaceable. I can't determine a value. So what well, is it? I guess it could be replaceable, but somebody has to dig up a seventy-five-year-old tree. That's correct. That's that's correct. Yeah, that's exactly what uh, replaceability is about. And so, okay, uh, so you can say, "I want that tree replaced." Here is the cost of replacing the tree. There's my lawsuit. Okay. And you get okay. maybe half of that. I don't know what a judge is going to say. I'd probably give it to you. And you, but you have okay. to you have to prove that it was on the property line. Okay, so that's first, and then yeah, uh, this is not gonna, this is yeah, this is not gonna yeah, absolutely. You make a demand letter, absolutely. You don't need a lawyer. Letter, you make yeah. him a demand letter. Okay, all right. But yeah, I have to have that survey with it. Or well, you, you have, have to. to well, here's the problem: you walk in, you go, it's on the property line, and the judge goes, you have to prove it's on the property line. Well, I think it's on the property line. Uh, how do oh, you? Yeah, right. yeah, see the problem. Because what if yeah. he says, it's not on the property line. It was on my property. Well, I'm just wondering if I could maybe send the letter, see what he says. Maybe sure, of course. Of course you do. Of course, the first thing you do is send a demand letter and see if you can yeah. negotiate it before taking him to court. Of course you do. Welcome back to KFI AM 640. More stimulating talk. Bill Handel here. This is Handel on the Law. Marginal legal advice. Phone numbers, 800-520-1KFI, 800-520-1534. We still have a few lines open. Peter, there you are. Peter, welcome to Handle on the Law. Peter, are you there? Long story short, basically my question is that I wrote a contract for my wedding, for the ballroom for my wedding, a few months before my wedding, and... A week before my wedding, they informed me that the decoration for the room that my wedding is going to be at is not going to be done. And I was very unhappy, but I was forced to have the wedding because they told me a week before the wedding. And my question is, do I have a case? If yeah, I you, 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 yeah, you do have a case. The only issue is how much is that worth? What is? But I paid $17,000. Uh, and well, that's great. And you paid seventeen thousand dollars, including the decorations. Yes. Now you got the wedding, you had the space, and uh, uh-huh. the, and how extensive were the decorations? What are we talking about? Well, I mean, they basically showed us some pictures of chandeliers and things that they're going to put put up. But I honestly, I don't know how much it cost them. You know. Yeah, and I don't know either. So here, and they're not going to tell you. So. You have to figure out what do you sue for? How much is the value of not having those decorations worth? And you've got to come up with a figure. I mean, you've got to come up with a figure. You're going to go to a small claims court. And remember, uh, you have up to $10,000 you can go to small claims court with. And so, therefore, I'd sue for the whole 10000 and just argue with a judge. I think it's worth every bit of that. 
and mm-hmm. and see what the judge says. I mean, there is some value. You still had the room. You had the tables. You had the food. What you didn't have were the decorations. Right. We the didn't ju- have food with them, so that was only for the place. No, no, I get it. I get it. But you, but they produced it, and uh, so that has some value. Uh, did you, for example, put up a poster and say chandelier goes here, so people could at least imagine there was a chandelier? No, they gave us pictures. They gave us pictures. They said, ah, and did you put? Wait a sec. Did you put up the pictures instead of the chandelier, so people could imagine there was chandeliers there? No. Yeah, you're an idiot. You see, I would have done that, and I would have made a big sign says this is what should have come here. Enjoy yourself. I would sue for the full ten thousand dollars. Absolutely. Michael. Hey, Michael. Hi. Yes, sir. Uh, I have a fence between our house that um, my neighbor was pulling on, and it uh, finally went down. We replaced it. They agreed to pay half of it, but they haven't, so we're going to have to go to small claims court. Okay. What's your question? Is there a common uh, practice where... If it's between two houses that each person pays half when it's replaced? No, absolutely not. And when he said that he would pay half of it, uh, was that done in writing or did he say that verbally? No, they they just said they would. Okay, so now when they say, uh, you know what, Uh, Mike, I don't know what Michael's saying. I never agreed to pay for half of it. Even better than that, did you rent it down the did you rent it down the property line? It is. And so half of it's on his property, half of it's on your property, right? Yeah. He can make you take it out and put it all on your property. He can make it even worse than that. He goes, you, you're on my property line. I never gave you permission to put that fence on my property line. Rip it up. Okay. Yeah, so uh, you, you did everything wrong you could have possibly have done. Excellent. Carlos. Hello, Carlos. Bill, my dad shares a common driveway with the house next door. Investors purchased the house. They decided that... Um, they're going to do the driveway. Told my dad his share would be $5,000. The driveway got done, and it shot out work, so they come to collect, and my dad says this driveway is not done correctly because it's cracking after a month of it being poured. Now they're trying to take my dad to a small claims court. Let him. And I'll just Let him. And then he, he, makes his, he makes his argument, saying I'm not paying right. for a defective product. He takes Correct. pictures of it, and he says, this was put in a month ago. Uh, I'm not going to pay for half of this. And, yeah, because they have no, no legal contract, no written agreement. That's even better. Restric- That's even better. Restric- he says, I never agreed to it. Right. I never agreed to it. Okay. They decided to pour a new contract, a, a new concrete uh, driveway. And by yeah, the way. Like, like one day to the next. From yeah, like no, verbal conversations. Yeah, verbal conversations mean nothing. Uh, here we go again. Verbal conversa- uh, conversations. Come on. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Uh, Stephen. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi, Stephen. Hey. Uh, so here's my question. Uh, I bought a used car from a major dealer about a month ago. Uh, they sent me the registration card uh, maybe a week ago or so. And it didn't have a tag with it, and I thought that was kind of peculiar. I looked at the uh, at the date on the thing, and it expired three or four days after I uh, after I got the registration card. Um, so we had to go and pay for all new registration, new tags, and everything. Is there any sort of legal action I can no, take? No, they gave you a car that was legal. There's nothing that says we have to give you a car that's registered for another year. The car was registered. It was a legal vehicle when you bought it. 
and it okay. expired uh, three days from then. What? Uh, where is it that they should? How many years should they buy you a registration? A year in advance? Uh, I'm not sure. That's what I was asking. No, about. there's there no there's nothing there. There's nothing there. I love it. I I you know what? I want someone to pay, and it doesn't matter whether I have a right or not. I if either if even if I don't have a right to have someone pay me, I I want the right to have someone pay me. I love this. I truly love this. This is Handle on the Law.